Very good. All right, I need a couple volunteers. So I need my buddy Faith, my buddy Rebecca, and my buddy Selena. Come up here. They're going to come up here, and they're going to do something for me. I promise you, if you, if you, if you liked our Facebook page uh, at facebook.com slash griffithfcc. Okay, now I know it's kind of dangerous to hand out rocks to a congregation at the beginning of a sermon. So I'm going to trust that you're not going to throw them at me or that you have really bad aim. Ladies, if you would do me a favor and make sure everybody sitting here gets one of these rocks. That'd be great. Appreciate that. And uh, Brandon, if you would do the same thing in the balcony. Yay, thank you. Thank you very much. Like I said, I'm going to trust that you're not going to throw them at me or that you have really bad aim. Um, what I want you to do is you're going to get a stone here. You're getting a rock. And I want you to kind of, as you get it, I want you to examine it. I want you to... Not drop it and get dust all over your pants like I just did. That'll look great on the internet. But take your stone. As you get it, you can wheel the cart up the aisle. That's fine. Hey, <laughs> it's got wheels. And uh, thank you, ladies. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, so take your stone. Examine it when you get it. See how it feels. It might be dusty, covered in dirt. It might be smooth. Could be jagged. Or sharp. Rough. You may be wondering, why is he handing out stones? Don't throw them at each other either, by the way. That'd be bad. But how does it feel? As you get your rock, as you get your stone today... How does it feel? Where do you think it came from? Ground. Rock. Where do you think it came from? Was it a stone that was broken off of another rock? Maybe a larger rock? Is it a stone that was maybe in the bottom of a river? And it was eroded over time. It used to be bigger and now it's smaller. You know, maybe it's a a rock that... um, that was formed over thousands of years. Wherever that rock came from, this is really kind of cool when I think about this, is that you know God knew that you would be here this morning and that it would end up in your hands. Because God is awesome like that. <laughs> but um, think about your stone. And, and what is your stone's story? It may sound silly. It may sound kind of goofy. <laughs> what do you mean, the story of the stone? No, how did, how did that stone get from where it was to where you are this morning. And you're like, well, some girl gave it to me at church. No, 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 no. (laughs) How did that stone get to your hands today? Thank you very much. What is your stone's story? I want you to hold on to it during the message. Uh, If you're going to take notes on the handy-dandy outline, go ahead and just kind of maybe set it to your side. Uh, but hold on to it. Keep it nearby because you're going to need it a little bit later on. Um, we are talking this morning, uh, we're continuing in our series on First and Second Peter called Basic. And we're talking about the basics of our faith. Laying the foundations of our faith and what it means to have a foundational faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, we've talked about being holy. Uh, we've talked about who Jesus is and, and having a basic faith. We're kind of doing like a, a spiritual basic training. Don't worry, Aaron. It's all good. I know you're out of the Marines now, and so uh, 
Aaron Martinez is back with us again uh, after being in the Marines for the last several years, and he's back home. And thank you for playing the drums this morning. It's good to have you back, buddy. So thank you for your service to our country. Um, but uh, we're talking about, you know, the spiritual basic training, the foundations of our faith. Today, we're talking about Jesus. And you're thinking to yourselves, don't we talk about Jesus every Sunday? Why, yes. Yes, we do. But today we're specifically talking about Jesus, one aspect of who Jesus is. Uh, and we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. So if you can locate a Bible and grab a Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. That's what we're going to study. Now, if, if you have a Bible like mine, they may... There's little notes and things like that that they uh, they differentiate and they paragraph things apart from one another and um, they have it paragraphed off at from ch- chapter four, two verses four through twelve but I think chap- verses t- eleven and twelve go through the next passage go to the next passage more than they do this passage so we're going to stop at verse ten this morning but uh, grab a Bible turn to First Peter two four through ten. Uh, grab your handy-dandy outline. It's on the back of your bulletin. You can fill in the blanks. we got seven blanks this morning to fill in, so we need to motor on through that and get going. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-10. through 10. Let's read that together. If you've got a Bible, 1 Peter 2, 4-10. through 10. As you come to him... Now, this connects to the previous passage last week. Uh, he says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So you've tasted... That the Lord is good. The Lord Jesus is good. And then as you come to him, the living, what? Stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone. Stone in Zion, a, pres- a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we're talking about Jesus being the living stone. The first blank on your outline this morning is Jesus is the living stone. Now, look at your stone. Now, look at me. Look back at your stone. Look at me. Back at your stone. Nobody? Old Spice commercial? Very funny? Ha, 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 Okay, thank you. Um, but uh, So you look at your stone there. Is there any way that your stone could be classified as living? No, it's a rock. It's, it's pretty much dead. It's not going to get up and walk away. It's not going to do anything but, but lay there till I pick it up. So this stone is not alive. Peter describes Jesus as the living stone. It is an inherent contradiction in terms. Stones can't be alive, can they? In this case, Jesus is the living stone. See, he was crucified on a Roman cross. He was buried. He was dead. But God raised him back to life. And now he is alive, living forevermore. 
He is the living stone. He was, like I said, crucified. He was buried. He was dead. But Jesus was raised back to life by God the Father through his power and his glory. And he is alive forevermore. And he is reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. And he is coming back. He is going to come on the clouds in power and glory. And every eye will see him, as the scripture says. Even those who killed him, even those who pierced him, even those who crucified him will see him. For he will return. He will come back. And he will be and we will be with him forever and ever and ever. He is the living stone. Now, the second blank on your outline is that he was rejected by men. He was rejected by men. Peter quotes Psalm chapter 118, verse 22, when he says, The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Now, a capstone is something we don't talk about very much these days. A capstone was the top stone that they would put in an arch. They would build an arch. And then they would take one stone, this important capstone, and they would cap the arch with this stone. And what that stone would do is it would kind of support all the way to the arch so that the arch wouldn't collapse. But the stone, this living stone, Jesus, the builders rejected. Those who were the builders. And who are the builders? Who is Peter talking about? He's talking about the chief priests. He's talking about the Pharisees. It says, they, the leaders of Israel, the spiritual leaders of Israel, rejected Jesus as the Messiah, and they tossed away this stone. But this stone that they threw away, this uh, living stone that they didn't even realize who he was, has become the capstone. This stone was rejected, and yet they brought Jesus, and they made him the most important stone. God made him the capstone, the most important stone that holds everything together and though he was tossed aside rejected by men god has made him the capstone jesus quoted the same passage about himself from psalm 118 in matthew chapter 21 verses 42 and 43 jesus said to them have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone the lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes therefore i tell you that the kingdom of god will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit he's talking to the jews he's talking to the the pharisees and the chief priests that it was going to be taken away from them and it was going to be given to the gentiles to those who would follow him to those who would listen to him to those who would do as he had commanded those who accepted him as the messiah and did not reject him as they had done jesus uh, is the stone that was tossed aside by the religious leaders of israel and what does peter say about that about him peter says that he is the stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall in first peter chapter 2 verse 8 they tossed him aside And now they stumble over him. They fall over him. They trip over him. And God has taken and raised him up and made him the capstone by which all things hold together. Isaiah chapter 8 verses 14 and 15 says that he will be a sanctuary. Talking about, it's a prophecy about Jesus. He will be a sanctuary, but for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a a trap and and a snare. Easy for me to say. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Jesus is the one whom 
causes men to stumble and to trip and to fall. Why? Because they can't get past their own pride. They can't get past their own sinfulness. They can't get past their own doubts. They can't get past their own fears. They can't get past the fact that Jesus, that they, that they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. When in fact, He is the Messiah. He is the one who was promised by Scripture to come and fulfill the prophecies, to be the anointed one of God, to be the one who would suffer and die on our behalf, that He would take the punishment that we deserve and he went to the cross and he suffered and he died on our behalf so that we can be free we can be forgiven we can be changed we can be made holy we can be righteous we can follow jesus they trip they stumble and they fall and they continue to over this message of the gospel this message that seems so foolish people say how can i be saved just by simply believing how can I be saved just by, by this very simple plan of salvation? We talk about the biblical plan of salvation here that we believe that the Bible teaches us and the Bible teaches us that we need to believe. We need to accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He suffered and died on our behalf. We need to repent. The Bible says to repent. He commands men everywhere to repent, to turn away from sin, and to turn to God for forgiveness. He commands everyone to confess. In the book of Romans it says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. We need to confess our faith and we need to be baptized. In Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Peter commanded all the people to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And when we do this, when we obey Jesus, when we do as he has commanded, when we believe and we repent and we confess and are baptized, we are washed clean. But how in the world could God save us through such simple... There's got to be more to it than that, right? Wrong. There isn't. That's all there is. That is God's simple plan of salvation. You think, but I've done so many terrible things. I've done so many awful things. I've said things that I, I shouldn't have said. I've done things. I've, I've had impure thoughts. I've, I've done all kinds of terrible things. Why would God choose to forgive me? Because God loves you. God desires to spend eternity with you. And there's only one way that that is possible, and that is put your faith in a stone. But not just any stone. The living stone. Jesus Christ. To put your faith and trust in Him. That's the amazing thing about His grace. This free gift that He offers. No one else can offer. It's this free gift of salvation that God can give to you and to me and to all of us, to everyone everywhere. God wants us to be saved by his grace and it is a free gift that nobody else deserves that no one deserves yet it is a gift that he gives freely to each and every one of us jesus gave up his life so that we wouldn't have to die in our sins he gave up his life so that we could be free so that we could be forgiven and we could spend eternity with him jesus said in john chapter 3 verse 16 it's one of the most well-known bible verses there is for god so what the world Love the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That if we will put our faith and trust in Jesus, accept his offer of salvation, we will be saved. The third blank on your outline is that this living stone was chosen by God. He was rejected by his own people as the Messiah, but he was chosen by God to be the capstone. He is the capstone, and as Peter says, he is the precious cornerstone Isaiah, uh, 
Peter quotes Isaiah 28:16. says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16. Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith. Now, a cornerstone, we don't use cornerstones like they did back in the day, where they would take a stone, and it, was the, it had to be square, it had to be perfect, it had to be straight, because you would take the stone and you would lay that cornerstone first as the, the beginning of the foundation. And it, and it would guide the, the, the wall going this way, it would guide the wall going that way. And if that stone wasn't straight and you had a, a, a crooked wall, well, then your building's not going to be sturdy. It's not going to stand firm. And it's going to look kind of weird. You know, people walking up going, you're building the wall, but it doesn't quite look straight. No, 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 no. Your, your eyes are wrong. It's a guy building the wall. No? Okay. But uh, you got to have a, a straight and square cornerstone with which you can build your foundation. Jesus is the precious cornerstone laid in Zion, the foundation of our faith. Zion was another name for Jerusalem. And what happened in Jerusalem? Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. Jesus gave up his life in Jerusalem. The foundation of our faith is his death and his resurrection. It was there in, in Zion where the, the foundation was began, where the foundation was laid. And it was there in Zion that Jesus gave up his life and God raised him from the dead. You know, we sang a new song earlier. We sang it last week. We sang it this week. It's called Cornerstone. It's based on an old hymn called the, the Solid Rock. And the, the first line says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We are saved by his blood. We are washed clean by his blood. We put our faith and our trust in him, and we are washed clean. It was that blood that was shed in Jerusalem, that blood that was shed in Zion. And we are washed clean. We are clothed in his righteousness. In Galatians, it says that when we are baptized into Christ, we are clothed with Christ. That we are washed clean in his blood, and we are clothed with him. You know, it's, it's a wonderful thing to think that one day we will stand before God. And you may think, how can that be a wonderful thing? That's a terrifying thing. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Christ, it is, should be the most wonderful thought that you will stand before God and He will not see you. But rather, when He looks at you, if you are clothed with Christ, He will see who? He will see Christ. He won't see you. He won't see your sins. He won't see your mistakes, your bad choices, your bad decisions, your failures, and your faults. Rather, he will see the unblemished, perfect Son of God. Because you are clothed with Christ, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Innocent of all charges, free from guilt, free from shame, as, as Peter says, that the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of, you know, I, I've done a thousand more good deeds than bad deeds. It's not because I, I gave uh, X amount of dollars to First Christian Church. It's not because I shared my faith with this many people. It's not because of these awesome sermons that I preach every single week. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep. No, it's because of Jesus. He was rejected by men. 
yet chosen by God to be the cornerstone of our faith. Chosen by God. That God selected him, chose him to be the foundation, chose him to be the cornerstone. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we will never be put to shame. There will be no more shame, no more guilt, no more fear. Rather, there is only grace. There is only grace. Next blank on your outline. See, God's not done yet. We are living stones. Jesus is the living stone and we are the living stones of this spiritual house that he is building. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Christ is our foundation and we are the building blocks of this spiritual house that he is building. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, accept, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the living stone. He is our cornerstone. But when we put our faith and trust in him, God turns us into living stones as well. Again, look at your rock. Nothing about it is alive. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a living stone being built into a spiritual house. God is making us into a spiritual house. That's the next blank on your outline. A spiritual house. Our foundation is Christ. We are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. And how do we learn about Jesus? We read about him in the word. The Bible is our guide. The Bible is the foundation. It's the word of God upon which our faith is built through Jesus Christ. So if you don't know your Bible, how are you going to get to know Jesus? There's four books all about him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's how you get to know who Jesus is, by reading your Bible. And I encourage you, read your Bible. If you're not reading your Bible now, start. Go home and read John chapter 1. Read through the book of John over the next couple of weeks. Get to know who Jesus is because he is the foundation of our lives. He is the foundation of our faith. And God is building us as living stones into a, into a spiritual house, a living temple built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. We are being turned into a spiritual house. Now, what do you call God's house? Church, right? A kind of a spiritual temple. In the old days, it was the temple. Now we call it the church. Now, here's the question. Is a church just wood and concrete? Is a church pulpits and pews? No. This is a church building. Any building can serve as a church building. What? No, 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 no. It's got to have a, a cross in it. It's got to have a, you know, a, a lot of pews. It's got to have a, a pulpit. Uh-oh. It's got to have stained glass and, and all kinds of churchy things, right? Wrong. Because that's not a church. We don't go to church. We are the church. I am looking at the church right now. We are the church. We are Christ's church. We are a church of Christians. We are the Christian church we are God's people. We are a spiritual house. And God is building us into a living temple. 
It's not concrete and wood. It's not pews and pulpits. We are the church. Now say it with me. We are the church. One more time. We are the church. We are Christ's body. We are Christ's church. Christ is our foundation upon which he is building his church. We are being built into a spiritual house. Who lives in a house? I live in a house. Y'all live in a house? Maybe an apartment? But you live in a place that's got walls and a roof, right? Who lives in the spiritual house? Who lives in the church? God. We, His Spirit, dwells in us, lives in us as His church. We are the church. We are not ordinary. We are special. We are selected. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we have a job to do. We have a responsibility. The next blank on your outline is a holy priesthood. That sounds kind of weird. Kind of a holy priesthood. Well, let's break it down. Holy. We talked about holy, being holy as God is holy a couple weeks ago. Holy means to be special or set apart. Doesn't mean perfect, doesn't mean blameless, doesn't mean does all the right things all the time. Holy means special and set apart. We are a priesthood that is special and set apart. God has made us a holy priesthood. Well, what's a priesthood? Well, a priesthood was a class of people uh, in, in Jesus' day. It was the, the priestly class. It was those who served God in the temple. It was those who ministered in the temple. So we are, nowadays, as the church, we are a holy priesthood, a special group of people who have a job to do to minister in the church. We are all living stones, a royal priesthood. Uh-oh. See, that means we got a job to do. It means we have a ministry to carry out. It means that God has something in mind for us to do, something in mind for you to do. We are all priests in God's kingdom. We are all ministers in God's church. You are a minister. No, I'm not. I didn't go to Bible college. You don't have to go to Bible college to be a minister. We are a royal, a holy priesthood, a special group of people set apart for a special purpose. What is your purpose? What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you all to do in the balcony? What is God calling each and every one of you, each and every one of us to do? What is your ministry? How are you being part of the holy priesthood? Because that is what we are. God has called us to be a priesthood. In those days, the priests would offer sacrifices. But once Jesus died, there was no more need for animal sacrifices. I'm thankful for that. Every Sunday, everybody bringing in goats and sheep and stuff, and i got to sacrifice them? I don't think so. My wife would leave me. She's a vegetarian. She's like, what? You're going to do what to that sheep? Be one less minister's wife. But we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus died, the Bible says, for sins once for all. It's all done. Our sins are gone. History washed away, forgiven, forgotten. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Now we don't sacrifice animals anymore. Jesus was the atoning sacrifice that took care of all of our sins. Amen. Praise his name. Now we are called to make spiritual sacrifices. Look there in verse uh, 5. 
You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We offer ourselves as these living sacrifices. The kind of acceptable sacrifice that God asks is that we offer ourselves. We are the sacrifices. We, we offer us. We deny ourselves. We offer ourselves. And we follow Jesus. Our theme for the year, following forward. We're going to follow Jesus. My soul follows close after thee. We're going to follow Jesus. We're going to deny ourselves. We're going to turn away from ourselves. And we're going to follow him. So we sacrifice our sinful desires. And we live lives of holiness and righteousness and uh, are we going to be perfect? No. And God knows that. God knows that. And that's why he made a way. That's why he chose Jesus to be our savior. That's why he chose the way so that we could be a people chosen by God. And that's the last blank on your outline. You are the chosen people of God. We are his chosen people. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have been chosen by God to be his family. Now, I don't want you to hear this wrong, okay? It doesn't mean that God says, okay, I choose you and you and you, but I don't choose you, I'm sorry. That's not what God says. He's not going, okay, I want Sean and uh, I want uh, these people over here on this side of the, of the church. Cause, <laughs> I mean, I'm on this side of the church now. So I want all these people over here, but all of you, sorry. That's not what it means. To be chosen by God means that God chose the way. He chose the plan. He said, I'm going to send my son Jesus and he's going to live a perfect life and he's going to give up his life on the cross and he's going to suffer and he's going to die for the sins and anyone who believes in him everyone who puts their faith and trust in them i choose them to be my people it's not like he's sitting on a cloud somewhere going "Ah, i don't like the look on their face and i don't like what they're doing and i don't like those people because of the sins they commit and yeah okay they're okay i like those people That's not what God is doing. That's not what it means to be chosen by God. God chose everyone who believes in Jesus to be saved by grace through faith. And if we will accept his offer of salvation, we will be saved. And we become the chosen people of God. We are chosen by him, called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have you ever been, how many of you ever done like a cave tour? Ever been in a cave? Or how many of you ever been like in a really, really dark, like pitch black room? Where you can't see your hand in front of your face. You know what I'm talking about? When you are living apart from Jesus, when you do not have Jesus in your life, it's like you're living in a cave. It's like you're in a, a pitch black room and you can't even see your hand in front of your face. You are in the darkness. God, God shines the light of Jesus into the darkness. And when we see the light, I once was blind, but now I see in john chapter 8 verse 12 jesus said i am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light 
of life. Jesus shines his light in the darkness so that we can find the way out of the darkness. And he makes us into his people, a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood. If we're a royal priesthood, what does that mean? It means we serve a king. Not just any king, we serve the king of kings, Jesus Christ. We are his royal priesthood. And we have received mercy, Peter says. We deserve death. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We deserve death, but rather we get mercy instead. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God pours out his mercy on us, and he lavishes his mercy on us, and he makes us alive with Jesus. And now we are living stones. How many of you still have your stone? You, if you haven't gone anywhere, it should still be there. And as long as your neighbor didn't steal it, you should have it. Hold your stone up. At the beginning of this message, I asked you, what is your stone story? Somebody dropped their stone. <laughs> what is your stone story? Think about this. I want you to keep this with you this week. Maybe put it in your purse, keep it in your pocket. I did this uh, a sermon similar to this on the same concept. I, I preached through this passage in, in Minnesota, and I, uh, I handed out stones that day. And a friend of mine, as a parting gift when we left from there, made me a, a cool puzzle box. And he took his stone that he had had for like three years, and he put it in the box. And uh, he said that sermon really impacted his life. And, and, and it was so cool. when He's like, I want you to open this when you get to Indiana. And I opened it when I got here, and it just it touched me because he kept it with him for three years. So I want you to think about this. This stone represents you. This is you. You are a living stone in God's spiritual house. He is using you and building with you and building the church with you and with me. So I want you to keep your stone. I want you to hold on to it. I want you to think, this, what is my stone story? Better yet, what is your story? How has God saved you? From what has God saved you? How has he changed you? How has he transformed your life? How is he working on you right now? What is your story? Have you been called out of the darkness? Have you received the light of life? Have you received mercy? Have you received grace? Are you walking in the light of Jesus Christ? Are you walking in the light of Jesus' love? I want you to hold on to your stone. My challenge for you today is to hold on to your stone. Remember who you are in Christ. You are a living stone. You are a holy Royal priest in God's spiritual house, in his temple. You are one of his people. So what sacrifices are you willing to make for the one who sacrificed his life for you? What sacrifices are you willing to make for his glory? So if you're not a Christian, okay, you may be looking at this going, what do I do with this? You may be thinking, this doesn't make any sense. If you're not a believer, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need to become one. You need to become this, a living stone. We offer an invitation every Sunday for you to do that. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, if you've never been baptized, if you've never confessed your faith publicly, we invite you to do that today. 
If you're not ready to make that step yet, I want to encourage you. Take our membership class next month, February 16th. It's just 20 days away. Come check, out, come check it out. Take the membership class. Albert and I teach it. It's a lot of fun. We have a blast doing it, and everybody pretty much likes it. Pretty much. But we'd love for you to come and learn more about us, learn more about Jesus, learn more about baptism, learn more about faith. Come and join us. We want you to be part of our family. We got room for more stones, my friends. Look, there's a bunch still here on the, on the cart. We want you to come and become a part of our family. Come join us as living stones as we are built upon the foundation of the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, conclude this message today, as we think about how you have changed us and transformed us, as we think about how you have called us out of the darkness and into the light of your grace, as we think about being living stones, I pray that you would build us that you would change us, that you would transform us, that you would give us life and that you would give us light. Build your church here in Griffith on the foundation of Jesus and your word, that we might be a spiritual house, holy and pleasing to you, serving you, glorifying you, honoring you, and praising you. Thank you for the wonderful gift of your son, Jesus. We pray these things in his name.